Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor, Jamie Miller. How's everybody doing out there? How's everybody doing in here? All right, so good to see everybody. Man, encouraging. I've got a few things up here. We're going to just dive into the Word of God. So if you would open your Bibles up to Colossians. Yeah, I want to ask you to be reading that during the course of this uh, next few weeks. We're going to just kind of take a chapter each week uh, with kind of a pause in, but right in the middle, I think, um, or we'll get figured out or I'll do maybe a little more. But um, yeah, just I want to say something else about the parking lot service next week because I checked my phone this morning and, you know, it goes 10 days out and it says that next Sunday, no clouds, all sun, high of 82. Amen. I think that puts that in like the, the mid 70s for sweating it out out here in the parking lot. Sounds great, right? Okay, so plan on seeing you there and glad you're here today. Well, how I want to start out today, I was like, how do I get going on this thing? And so what I, uh, I did, it just helped me get off dead center, and I think it will help us see where we're going, is I want to go ahead and go over the questions for life group and discussion right here at the beginning. Right. So this is kind of like telling you the, where's this thing going? Where, where, where's this going? So let's look at it. Number one, why is it so important to talk about Colossians and the supremacy of Jesus Christ during this season of life? Lots of things you could put in that blank, right? All of us. Okay, so what are some of the ways that our attention and or our allegiance is co-opted? Our attention, our focus, and or our allegiance to Jesus Christ. How does that get co-opted? in the world that we're living in today. And I'm going to help you out. Scripture's going to help us out. Um, Why does the reconciliation of Jesus bring hope for things being made right in our world? Okay. The reconciliation of Jesus. We're going to read about that. Hint. You had to be watching. had to be watching for that hint. Why is it important to think through God's grace as a covenant versus a contract? It's a great question, isn't it? And we're going to touch on that today. Okay? So it's like telling you what, it's like, you're going to take this final. These are the things I want you to be ready for. Okay. Welcome to the college, by the way. Go Frogs. Got some, got some college students here in the room this morning. Ben, I was with Ben yesterday afternoon, and, and he said he had an 815 leaders meeting. I said, cool, man. You can have some people show up. <laughs> Get it. And look at you guys. Come on. Just being playful. I think that's a fruit of the Spirit. At least joy is. Yeah. So how does the church participate in this hope for glory? That's a good one. That's what I'm calling this message, the hope of glory, this hope for glory. So, and then how does God want me to personally respond? Okay. So those are just some questions. That's where we're going. So here's a newsflash. Everybody ready for a newsflash? We are living in the midst of some crazy times. Just laying it on you heavy today. 
This deep stuff coming right here. It's historic. It really is. Every, there's everything about the time we're living in is historic. And we are living in the midst of one of the greatest empires of history. Sounds like a political speech, doesn't it? Unless you kind of contemplate, is empire a good thing or not? But it is. Worldwide impact, worldwide influence, worldwide institutions, worldwide intrigues. The United States of America. And we live in the midst of what Paul calls the principalities and the powers. Now that's going on around us all the time. Now the principalities and powers, it's not, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. It can be good things that start out good, but then get kind of co-opted because of our flesh and the fallenness and evil and the brokenness that's in the world. And so you can have all kinds of systems and things that become, that, that can have a, like a sinister kind of impact in the world. And it could be all, just all different kinds of things. Nationalism, love for country could be a good thing, but then when it takes over and puts down other people, it can become the powers. That's kind of how the powers, that's kind of how they work. Things that start out good, but then end up consuming us or get our attention off of Jesus into this other thing. So my favorite all-time commentary on Colossians is by Brian Walsh and Sylvia Kiesmott. And uh, they tried to live this for 10 years before Colossians, before they wrote this book. Pretty cool. You don't have a lot of commentaries that do that. A lot of times they just sit down and deep thoughts and stuff. But they tried to live it for 10 years. And then they wrote this book in 2004. And I'm not going to read the whole Targum. A Targum is what the, the Jewish scholars would do. They take a passage of Scripture and rewrite it in current terms for the day. And so that's what they've done with this Colossians 1, 15 to 20 section. They actually add more words to it, so it's longer. But this was written in 04, and listen how prophetic what they're saying is. So it was written 16 years ago out of, out of a lived experience of a decade. And so you, you know the passage, but you'll, you'll catch on pretty quick. It's the, uh, he is the image of the invisible God passage. In an, in, in an image-saturated world, in a world of ubiquitous corporate logos permeating your consciousness, in a world of dehydrated and captive imaginations in which we are too numbed, satiated, and co-opted to be able to dream of life otherwise, in a world in which the empire of global economic affluence has achieved the monopoly of our imaginations. In this world, Christ is the image of the invisible God. In this world, driven by images with a vengeance, Christ is the image par excellence the image above all other images, the image that is not a facade, the image that's not trying to sell you anything, the image that refuses to co-opt you. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the image of God, a flesh and blood here and now in time and history with joys and sorrows, image of who God is. The image of God, of flesh and blood here and now in time and history with joys and sorrows, image of who we are called to be, image bearers of this God. 
He is the source of a liberated imagination, a subversion of the empire, because it all starts with him and it all ends with him. Everything, all things. Whatever you can imagine, visible and invisible, mountains and atoms, outer space, urban space, and cyberspace, whether it is the Pentagon, Disneyland, Microsoft, or AT&T, whether it be the institutionalized power structures of the state, the academy, or the market, all things have been created in him and through him. It's good, isn't it? He is their source, their purpose, their goal. Even in their rebellion, even in their idolatry, he is the sovereign one. Their power and authority is derived at best, parasitic at worst. In the face of empire, in the face of presumptuous claims to sovereignty, in the face of the imperial and idolatrous forces in our lives, Christ is before all things. He is sovereign in life, not the pimped dreams of the global market. Not the idolatrous forces of nationalism. Not the insatiable desires of a consumerist culture. In the face of a disconnected world where home is a domain in cyberspace. Where neighborhood is a, is a chat room. Where public space is a shopping mall. Where information technology promises a tuned in, reconnected world. All things hold together in Christ. The creation is a deeply personal cosmos, all cohering and interconnected in Jesus Christ. Now, it keeps going, but I'm going to stop there. Isn't that prophetic? It's interesting, isn't it? All this stuff, what technology promises pre-Facebook, pre-Instagram, images driven with a vengeance that pull us away from the one who is the image of the invisible God, the radiance of his glory. So all that's going on. I was, I was driving on Thursday and, and uh, in the car and heard a story about this girl. And uh, she's a young girl, I guess. It sounded like she was about 20, 21. And she's an activist. And when she heard that her party had not chosen the person that she wanted, her party to choose, she said, I'm pulling out of this whole thing. I'm not even going to vote pulling out of the whole deal. And yet she still is an activist. She's trying to change things. She's working for justice. She's working against trafficking. She's working for racial equality. She's, she's laying down her life to make things better. And the interviewer said, why? You're not even going to vote. And yet you're laying down your life for all of this. What are you doing? And she said, I guess I'm still young and idealistic. And I dream of making the world a better place. And I thought, man, I'm preaching Colossians this week. And Jesus Christ has come to do exactly that. To make it right. To make wrong things right. To make unjust things just. To make ugly things beautiful. To make our world right. That's what Jesus came to do. So, um, you know, we started the year this year with a word. Everybody doing all right? Start talking about Jesus is Lord and actually putting it on the ground. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Challenges us. Challenges me. All of us. So we started with this word, uh, Jesus is Lord. That was the 2020 vision word, Jesus is Lord. And we thought, man, this is going to be important. We had no clue how important that word would be for us this year. I mean, it's been, it's been absolutely huge and it's been important. And so 
uh, I thought, you know, for this series, this is kind of our, we've got a Nathan re-up series coming after this. So this is kind of our election series is for me to stand up here and go, Jesus Christ is Lord, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you know, what's wild is uh, the other day I was like, now I've preached this before. When's the last time I preached Colossians? You are not going to believe this. It was October 2016. Isn't that interesting? Like maybe the Lord's trying to, the Lord's trying to get something in us here that in times where everybody's losing their minds to stay grounded in the person of Jesus. It doesn't mean everybody's truly lo- losing their minds, but I've, I think some, kind of, maybe, possibly. And so we want to ground our lives in the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, the one who reigns over all. It's an appropriate letter for us to read, and I'm I'm literally going to read it, not the whole thing today, but I'm going to read chapter one. I felt like the Lord highlighted to me again, you know, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. So we're going to do that. And and one thing I want to emphasize here as we do this today is that we are citizens of heaven first. You know, and most of us are citizens of the United States, but we're citizens of heaven first. Our first allegiance and loyalty is to Jesus Christ and to his kingdom, That, that kingdom that's coming, that we are praying for and that we are longing for one day, new heavens and new earth. And so the way we live out our lives is a signpost pointing to the way things should be on planet Earth and in the United States, and especially during the election seasons, whatever, during this one, during all the ones that are coming, Lord tarries. And that, that means something for the way we love one another, for the tone that we, it's very, it's very practical. You know, I, I can't act like an, a, a goofball and be a follower of Jesus. I do it all the time, but the point is we're trying to grow in the grace and in the fruit of the Spirit as we're following Jesus, uh, where our lives are ultimately governed by His rule. And even toward the end in chapter 3, He's going to tell us that the peace of Jesus Christ is supposed to rule in our hearts and be the umpire for how we do life and how we do our living. It's going to affect us. And, um, you know, ultimately, we want to see Christ in us, the hope of everything being made right. So if I was going to boil this series, at least at this point, down to one sentence, it's this. God wants us to value the supremacy of Jesus Christ so that we can navigate this important season of life. And that's something we want to get into our lives. That's what I'm kind of saying here. And as we read chapter 1, I'm about to read chapter 1, and these are the things that I want to just highlight you to, to be looking for. The prayers. Okay, so you got Thanksgiving and intercession going on there right off the bat. So be looking for the prayers. Be looking for the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Be looking for uh, the faith that's being expressed. There's something God wants us expressing in the midst of our lives. The faith, the gospel, the, the good news about Jesus Christ. Be looking for that. Be looking for how does Paul express that in chapter 1? How does he express the news about Jesus Christ? I mean, the, the gospel is 
ultimately Jesus Christ. I'll keep going on that. Uh, so look for the trials. Look for the riches. Look for what the message. What, who's being proclaimed here? And, um, and, that, and if you don't know the answer, when I throw a question out like that, uh, Jesus. come on. Everybody's learning. Everybody's learning. We're all on a journey here, right? Okay, so Father, would you just bless the reading of your word today in the name of Jesus? And I think the Lord will look for the things, not only that I'm highlighting, but just look for, does the Lord bring anything fresh to you or to your attention or something for you to obey or to walk in more clearly in your life? Here we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you've already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the calling, of the, worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things hold together, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel you heard 
and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And this is the word of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Amen. What do y'all think? Ooh, it's just good to read the word, isn't it? Like, that's the sermon. You know, so he starts off with these prayers. And Thanksgiving, we're just thanking God for you all the time because of your faith and your hope and your love. I mean, that's kind of how we grow in the Lord, faith and hope and love. And there's always faith stirring up from the, the seedbed of hope. And then love is the expression of that. He's like, this is the marker on your life. We've heard about your love. That's that's marker number one for the people of God, the Lord's people. And he goes on and he says, we keep praying. We've been praying for you all the time. We keep asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit brings. So you guys, we are, all of us together, we are a Spirit filled people and it's in that fullness of his presence that we're led into wisdom and and what he wants us to do we are not left clueless about the knowledge of the lord's will he's speaking that to us if we will listen he is speaking and he goes on there and he says i want you what we're praying is that you would live a life worthy of the lord and please him in every way so this word worthy is the word axios in Greek, axios, and it has to do, it's almost like a balance, you know, and it's an axiom, it's a deep saying, it's like, whoa, that's a heavy word, that you'd live a life worthy, like in Ephesians, which is a very much parallel kind of letter, there's so many things that are similar, in Ephesians, Paul says, I pray that you'd live a life worthy of the calling that you've received, so the living worthy and the calling balance out like a seesaw you know you don't want to just not have the the living you got a calling that just outweighs your actual living you want your living and your calling to balance and so what he does here in ephesians is he actually unpacks some of that so i want you to live a life worthy of the lord and so pleasing him in every way and so here it is bearing fruit in every good work so part of the living worthy is you bear fruit in your life so there's going to be fruit being born. Does this make sense, the illustration? So you're going to bear fruit. You're going to grow in the knowledge of God. Come on, we want to be growing in the knowledge of God. We want to be strengthened with his power, his glorious might power that works in us so that we'll have endurance and patience. 
I mean, this is a word for us right now in this time. You ever just go, man, I'm just tired of this. My, my face, it's wet right here. I want to move on to something different in my life. But I'm going to keep walking forward with endurance and patience by the grace of God, by His power that's at work within us so that you'll have endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father. Like, if I would just balance out more of that joyful giving thanks to the Father, my life's going to go a whole lot better. Somebody say amen. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to joyfully give thanks to the Father who's qualified us to share in this inheritance with all the holy people of God in the kingdom of light because He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light, the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So that's prayers. That's the prayers part. And the revelation part is really, that's the start of the gospel. You start with Jesus Christ. You don't start telling some other story because we don't know how it was going to end. We have to start with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Nobody knew what the answer was going to be. So you start with Jesus because he shows you what the problem actually is that God's answering. We didn't know God was going to come in the flesh and die for humanity. That was a revelation. Does that make sense? So I, I preached this a couple of weeks ago, Matthew 16. Peter, you didn't get that on your own. Yeah, that's a good word. You got that from heaven. That's a good word. Apocalypto. That is a revelation that you got from the Father. The Father showed you that. Wow. Wow. So I, I'm just saying in all of our framing of the way we, it, it's, a, it's a rethink. It really is a rethinking of our message, we've got to look through the lens of Jesus Christ. It's been a joy to just look at Colossians. Lord, show me Jesus. Jesus, show me who you are as I read through Colossians. And that's the way you read the Bible. Because He is the truth. He's the truth out of which all other truth flows. You don't say, Jesus Christ died for my sins, but I've got some other truths up here that I know about God, and I'm going to put those in on Jesus. And Jesus is God. And God is then Christ-like. And in God, there is no unchristlikeness at all. I and the Father are one. To see me is to see the Father. Everybody tracking? So he's the image of the invisible God. We start with him. That's the revelation. In him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. And so part of just what I want to say about the revelation today is that Jesus brings God and in his incarnation, he's the one who spoke creation into being, his Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together. So Jesus brings God and humanity and creation together. So when God steps into existence, our existence in darkness, he's bringing God and humanity and creation together. And so when he dies, what happened to him? What's being unpacked just in 15 to 20? What happened to him happens to humanity. Everybody thinking? What happens to him happens to humanity. Paul is, he unpacks that here. He says in verse 20, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in, in him and to reconcile to himself all things. So he's, he's God the creator in the, as the son. 
and he has taken on our humanity in the incarnation, firstborn from among the dead, and everything he might have the supremacy, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And Paul says this in other ways over and over again. So in Romans chapter 5, it's, you know, Adam got us into this mess, and Jesus comes. Like, when Jesus comes, is it going to be greater than what Adam did to get us in the mess? Yes, Jesus is far greater than Adam. Adam doesn't have a greater capacity to get us into sin than Jesus Christ has to get us out of it. Starting to preach. So that's what he's saying. How much more will we live because of the life of Jesus Christ? So what happens to Jesus happens to, it's it's on behalf of all of us that he dies for we believe that one died, and therefore, first, 2 Corinthians 5, therefore all died. So it's this, it's this encompassing us kind of thing that is the revelation of Jesus. When we're preaching the gospel, we can't leave out the starting point, Jesus Christ. We want to order our thinking in line with Jesus Christ. Once you were alienated, and here's the thing. There's some of this, we've got to just, uh, we've got to think in terms of what did God do that I couldn't affect anything about? It's him redeeming us. It's him reconciling us to himself. I don't get to make that happen. He did that. He, once you were alienated, enemies in your mind, Paul says the same thing again in Romans 5, when you were enemies, says the same thing in Ephesians 2, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, which you used to live when you followed the ways of the kingdom, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. All of us lived there, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, of our flesh. But God, who's rich in love, who's rich in mercy, made us alive even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. By grace, by grace, by grace, you've been saved. So, So this is, I'm just trying to unpack a bit of this, the revelation of Jesus, that He is the Son of the living God, and that He brings reconciliation to humanity with God. But of course, the implication then is, if we're reconciled to God, then we can be reconciled to each other. The cross has two points of emphasis, the vertical reconciliation, but also the horizontal reconciliation. And so the basis of us working through things that we're going through right now as a church and in the world is the foundation of Jesus Christ, who's reconciled to himself all things. Can you get a little bit of vision for the world being a better place out of that? Yeah. I think I'm making everybody think today. So, so then, the, then the gospel itself, he goes on and he says, if you continue in your faith, I, I left out the faith. Let's hit the faith piece a second. So if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So, so on the faith piece, here's what I want to say. Um, when we read, if you continue, we can read that in a way that just completely wipes out what God's done for us when we couldn't do anything at all. And then we make it this a conditional if Versus a descriptive if. 
And I'm just going to kind of do a little contrast there. Conditional would be almost like a contract. Contract. You do these things, and I'll do these things. That's We enter into business contracts and that kind of stuff, but that is not the language of the Bible. Contract language, not the language of the Bible. It's covenant language. It's something that God does when we could do nothing. So there's a difference between a covenant and a contract. A covenant of grace is God's going to do this, and then He wants us, yes, to walk in it. And the descriptive part of the if is, I'm married to Kim, and we're in a covenant. And the more I walk in the grace of loving her and knowing her and joyfully honoring her and all that, the the more fulfilling our relationship is going to be. Or maybe even a better example of covenant because Jesus reveals that the Father and the Son are in this eternal relationship of love might be a familial relationship of love between a father and a son. And so if you continue in this faith, you're going to have a deeper, richer, more full relationship with your father. And if you don't do that, it's going to hinder that relationship. Does that make sense? I'll just say, I mean, there's a lot of things for us to think through when you start really thinking about how God has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ, the son of God who's the anointed one in the Holy Spirit. And even that relation, I mean, that, I would say that's probably one of the primary ways that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, reveals God is as a father who has a son and their shared love in the Holy Spirit. That's one of the things that we know that was happening before creation. Father, I want them to see my glory because you loved me before the creation of the world. The, the love I shared with you before the creation of the world so that's going to have implications then for how we, I'm just, and I've already hit this, the, the, the gospel then is we start with Jesus. And that has all kinds of wonderful, beautiful implications about our forgiveness that allows us to stop walking in darkness, to stop walking in shame, to walk freely, out of bondage, all of these different things. But we have to start with Jesus or we'll have a flimsy kind of a gospel that is very contract-based. If you do enough stuff, if you do it right, then you can have, and God says, I want you to walk in the fullness of my love and family and assurance, knowing that you're my beloved and I care about you and I love you and I want you to always know me and walk with me. But there's trials along the way, right? So Paul says, he goes through these trials and he says, I'm suffering on behalf of the church. Why do we go? So Jesus suffered. It's not like he's adding to the atonement. But he's, when Paul suffers for the sake of Jesus, he's revealing what the cross looks like in flesh and blood right now. That, he, that we can see it. Everybody tracking? So, so... So when we go through trials, and we, we are going through trials, let it be for the sake of Jesus. Because in those trials and in that suffering, um, we're revealing something. Paul says specifically, I've become its servant through these trials by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. And we could say, what is that word of God? Or maybe we should say, who is that word of God? 
Who is the Word of God in its fullness? Deep theological question, Jesus. Right, he's the Word of God in its fullness. That's how John starts his gospel out. For that matter, all the gospels start with Jesus, which is how we understand what God's doing in the world. Paul's letters here, starting with Jesus, not something different. We start with the solution, and then we understand our plight. We don't start with our plight in order to understand the solution. We'll come up with a different, we'll come up with what we think, how we think the story ought to end, rather than God stepping onto the scene and blowing us away. And the people that studied the Bible the most missed the revelation of God right in front of them. So we've got to, man, I know, I sound like a broken record. I'm just excited about Jesus. I just, I'm, I'm seeing some stuff in a fresh way and it's blowing me away. And so then the riches then are this mystery that was hidden, this word of God in its fullness, mystery that was hidden and for ages and generations, but it's now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the nations, among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of the mystery, which is Christ in you, in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so when we want to see things being made right in our world, it's God sending his son. It's God pouring out his spirit into us so that the fullness of him, Christ, the father and the son and the Holy Spirit are living in us in the power of the Holy Spirit so that things can be made right in the world. The hope of glory is the hope of everything being as it should be. Things being right, things being just, things being loving, there being peace and not wars. It's coming. And we live in the tension of it, but it's coming. And so what we do in the meantime is we proclaim Jesus Christ. What Paul says, that's the message. We proclaim Him. Come on. We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And to this end, I labor with all of His energy that is at work in me. So think about that. We are becoming like Jesus Christ. That is Matt, that's your destiny, is to become like Jesus Christ. We've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, who is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, this worldwide multi-ethnic family. Christ in y'all is the hope of glory. And so as we navigate the election, as we navigate racial unrest, as we navigate COVID and mask-wearing, not mask-wearing, Romans 14-ish kinds of things, looking, and, and, uh, <laughs> food laws in the New Testament were a way bigger deal than wearing a mask or not. And he's saying, don't destroy the work of God for the sake of what you want to eat. Put the mask on. You know, just accept one another. Don't not, double negative, sorry. Uh, except, don't not accept one another. Now I can't think of how to say it. Um, I think I'm almost there. So 
So let me just wrap it up with those questions again. So then why is it important for us to talk about Colossians and the supremacy of Jesus Christ in this season? He's the Lord. And He reigns. And He reigns over everything that we're going through or ever will. Our successes and our failures, our trials and our sin, the forgiveness that He brings, the shame that He ends, the guilt that He forgives. You know, He is the Lord. And what are some of the different ways that our attention, our allegiance, I mean, it, it speaks right to it. I, I want to be aware when my allegiance and my attention has been co-opted over here by something else. I want to be awake to continually realigning. And it's like flying a plane, you guys, or, or driving a car. You can't just, just set it one way and then stay on the road. You've got to make mid-course adjustments all along the way. We all do. We all do. I wish I could tell you that it just you just kind of outgrew it, and you, but it doesn't work that way until we see Him face to face. Okay? And what does the reconciliation of Jesus why does it bring hope for things being made right in the world? I mean, it's, uh, it's comprehensive, man. I mean, it's for everyone. There's no one you're ever going to see that you can't say this word is for. There's no one you're ever going to see that you can't say God loves you with an unsurpassable love. And He has a value for you that's unsurpassable in all of creation. He is the one that is bringing God, who God really is, humanity, our humanity, and the entire universe, the entire cosmos together. That is what Jesus does. And why is it important? I, we need to be people that are thinking through this idea of covenant versus contract so that we're not holding things over on other people that we can't do ourselves. We don't live into it ourselves. We need grace. <laughs> we need the grace that He's given. I, I do. I just get a show of hands. Maybe like 70% here. So it's awesome. And how can we participate in this hope, hope of glory? By living out this life. Living out this life. Staying in fellowship with the Lord. Renewing our minds. Again, it's in between space. It's like that thing I talked about last week with the music. You know, both things are going on at the same time. Your flesh is going on and the Spirit is going on. But we live out the hope for, of glory by saying, Jesus, I want to recognize that You are in me and I want to live Your life out right now, right here, 2020. And how do You want me to respond to this Word? I want to live it for Your glory. In the name of Jesus. Y'all stand up. Yeah, Father, I just I want to pray as we're finishing up. Aaron, if you want to come up. Yeah, I want to just pray as we're finishing that there's always, whenever Jesus is proclaimed, there's always an invitation to respond. Like, you can't make it happen. He's done what He's done that is 2,000 years ago in creation as God's Son. But there's always an invitation to respond in the moment, to wake up to who He is, to believe in Him, to put your trust and your faith and your hope and your love directed to Him. And when we, it's like, it's like 
waking up to what's true, what the truth really is, what the life really is, what love really is, what the kingdom of God really is. And so, Lord, would you do it again today, just all around this room. Lord, whether it's the first time somebody's putting their faith in you, or the the 10th time, or the 100th time, or the 100,000th time, wake us up, Lord. This is the journey. And that we would, Lord, in the midst of this proclaiming Jesus Christ as a people, the salvation, the life, the forgiveness, the freedom, the hope, the, the deliverance that comes through Jesus Christ, the making things right in the world that comes through Jesus Christ, that we ourselves, Lord, would wake up And then we ourselves would grow into maturity and put away childish things and grow up. Lord, that we in the church, Lord, would be serious, joyfully serious about following you. That we would be disciples who love you and who are being conformed to your very image. And Lord, we'd wake up to this, how you're, we're not just floating. We're not just coasting along. You've got things for us to do. Assignments today. Assignments this week. Assignments next week. And Lord, may we be your ambassadors. Your citizens of heaven on the earth. Lord, whatever whatever way that we're going to be navigating these next few weeks, uh, Lord, make it... uh, Just pray that we would do it in a way that honors you as the Lord that bears fruit, that participates with you, that just honors you, that 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 axios word of living a life worthy is balanced out by those things that you actually want us to do in our world and in our life. And we would endure and we'd walk patiently and we'd joyfully give thanks to you. And we'd know that you've made us to be one worldwide people together and to share in the inheritance of the kingdom of light together, forgiven, redeemed, out of darkness and into light. Lord, do it in my life. Lord, do it in my brothers and sisters here today. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May His face shine on you. And may Jesus Christ be the greatest light that you ever see. May you always be honoring of Him and not be co-opted by the world. In the name of Jesus, amen. Go in peace. I love y'all. So good to see you. Love you guys.